It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. The real story is that I uh, did not want to be treated in this manner. I uh, didn't feel that it was the right thing for us to be uh, enduring. That was Rosa Parks, who 67 years old, 67 years ago today, became a civil rights icon after refusing to give up her seat on the bus. You were right, Leah, when you led us into this, that that was a historic day and historic moment. And just to set the stage for that, this was in Montgomery, Alabama uh, on December 1st, 1955. And at the time, the city of Montgomery, Alabama had a law. It it's almost seems like it would have been impossible to do that. But this was in 1955. It wasn't in 1855 that said that a an African Americans were required to sit in the back of public buses and further they were required to give up their seat to white riders if the front of the bus filled up i mean that's just horrifying uh, who writes a law like that right. i mean well, in this day and age do, you right? think you think who would have even thought of that so somebody decided rosa parks decided you know what i'm not going to play this game i'm not going to do this and so she was arrested for refusing to give up a seat on a bus to a white man. Right. And what I really love, I feel like I learned about Rosa Parks as a young person and people were like, you know, she was tired, you know, and I'm reading stories about today when I realized what the day was. And the um, quote they have from her is, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. So it wasn't just, you know, she'd had it. And I love what we just heard in that recording, right? It is the answer that we should not be treated this way, right? That, that's not acceptable. And we're lucky to be joined this afternoon by Sydney Shorter, President and CEO of the Utah Black Chamber. Sydney, thank you so much for joining us on this historic day. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. And talk to us. So, talk to our listeners about the significance of this day. Um, talk to us about how, maybe not necessarily how far we've come, but what this meant on on that particular day. Well, it, it meant the same thing that it means now. Um, is that we are still in a place of uh, fighting for equity, right? And so when we look at how long it has been and we're working on some of those same aspects uh, here in America, for me, quite frankly, uh, it, it, it just motivates me to continue to move forward and honor, uh, honor her legacy. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. You know, it's interesting because there was a... uh, protest from that and it was organized by a young baptist minister they called it the montgomery bus boycott named martin luther king jr who who spring spring loaded after that event and and how significant was that as well well what's interesting about that i'm not sure if you all know but i am from baton rouge louisiana baton rouge louisiana actually had the very first bus boycott Oh, wow. Martin Luther King came to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and got the blueprint on how to successfully do a boycott. Oh, I love that. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. uh, I did not know that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so the boycott in Baton Rouge did not last as long as it did in Montgomery. However, there was a blueprint already in place. But what we can give... attest to is that there was this determination to ensure that we did not have to continue to have these kinds of fights. And that's why you had this whole ignition around the civil rights movement, that it actually became a movement because it certainly was more than a seat on a bus. It was indicative of the culture Uh, and the mindset at the time as it relates to uh, black people in this country. Yeah, no, and your point was so well taken. You said it's 67 years ago, and we are still having some of the same conversations. And I think of, right, that I didn't know about Baton Rouge, how many stories we don't know, right, of the courage um, and all of the work that has taken to move this country forward on this issue. So I'm wondering if you could talk about what is Rosa Parks... Legacy. I love how you just said it. it's not just a seat on a bus, right? Like there's so much more. And then, what work are we still doing? You know that we look to her for inspiration for. Well, I think we look at. Um, I, I say the word motivation, but I go back to it's really determination. It's really determination, and she didn't get tired that day. She was not exhausted from a physical exhaustion. She was exhausted from having to be who she was in the type of climate. I mean, this was an educated woman who happened to be black. And when I say that out loud, to some degree, it almost sounds insulting, but that is what society told her. She had been about this work for quite some time. That day was enough. And I think we all as individuals get to the point where it's enough. And strategy happens afterwards. (laughs) But in that moment, we have to make a decision. We have to make a move. Um, And what we found was that because of that, we are here today having that conversation. That's why we're having this conversation. It was that significant because it was a movement 
there were a lot of people that made a lot of sacrifices. There was much more sacrifice beyond that seat on the bus. There were lives lost because of seats on a bus, because of water fountains, because of education, because of housing. Sydney, for me as a lawyer, and I suppose for Leah as an educator, it's hard for us to imagine laws that would have restricted what we're talking about today. And and in that respect, I think we've come a long way in this country that we don't even think that such a thing would be appropriate. But there's still a lot to be done, isn't there? I mean, we still have problems and there's still there's still issues where we wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation if there weren't. Right. But we we don't um, we can't give up. Here's what I here's what I say. I was asked a question on a panel um, here in, in Salt Lake City a couple months ago. And the question was, am I sad that we are still working on some of the same issues that our forefathers and our ancestors worked on. And when I thought about that, the truth of the matter is I can't be sad. I can't give that emotion to the work that was put in by my ancestors and my forefathers. Because what I can tell you is that I am not built to go through the challenges the way that they did. I'm not built for that. The only reason why I am not is because of the changes that they made. Now, yes, there is still work to be done, but we have to give respect and honor and attention to the work that they were able to achieve. Each generation is responsible for handing it off better than what they got. And that's what we've been able to do, and we will continue to be in the trenches doing that. I'm wondering, Sydney, is there any celebration today in Utah that I'm not aware of? Like, is there some th- event that is happening that is celebrating um, the, the fact that Rosa Parks, you know, that we're talking about this and that this happened 67 years ago? Or is there uh, other celebrations that it kind of get wrapped into it? Well, I would say it this way. Um, the fact that we honor her, that we remember her, that we respect her, and the fact that I am certain that there were black people that got on the bus today in Salt Lake City, we can celebrate that. Oh, I like that. Thank you. And I want to just play an eight-second soundbike of how Rosa Parks wanted to be remembered. And I would like to be remembered as a person who wanted to be free and wanted other people to be also free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this afternoon, Sydney. Absolutely. Leah, Thank you so much. I appreciate you. It's always fun working with you, Leah. It was a good show today, and I hope we get to work together again. Actually, we are going to work together yeah, again tonight on KSL to at tonight. night. <laughs> KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.